Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 11 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will give compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So my prayer this morning is that God's word will go forth and not return empty and will accomplish what he desires. Um, This is probably the most uncomfortable thing that I do with worship. Uh, It is hard for me to do this, and I've prayed about this a lot. And I'm not saying that so that after I get done, you'll come up and bat me on the back. Um, I'm saying that because I hope that you'll have grace with me with the presenting of this. Um, and hope that there's not something that is a constant distracting distraction to you, but that you'll be able to overlook that. And um, if there is anything that is encouraging that you take away from this, please don't give me the credit. <laughs> it's the Spirit. Give all credit to, to God. So this morning I wanted to look at paradoxes in Scripture. Um, The more that you are into Scripture, hopefully the more that you will notice them. So I wanted to look at a few of those today. So I wanted to look at a few definitions, look at some examples of paradoxes, look at some Scriptures that talk about them, and then we'll have a conclusion. So, just so I don't set the bar so high, so what we will not be doing today is doing a deep dive into all of the possible paradoxes that there are in Scripture, because we would be here forever, or all of the possible meanings of a paradox, or the paradoxes, or um, we're not going to go into a deep dive of any one particular paradox that might be used. This might sound strange, but I'm not even going to do much explanation of the ones that we look at. My goal in bringing some of these to your attention this morning is hopefully you will start to see them and dwell on them. That it would pique an interest to meditate on them and ask the question, why? So, what is a paradox? If you looked in Webster's, it would say a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense and yet perhaps is true. I would say maybe a more biblical 
idea of this would be what seems silly to the world is the very thing that ushers in the power of God. Or maybe said this way. When you compare the principles of God's way of doing things to the principles of the world's way of doing things, everything will seem backwards. Or a paradox is truth held in the tension of contradiction. I think that's probably my favorite uh, definition so far. So there was an article I was scouring the internet to come up with different ideas. And one of the articles I read from Richard Henson said, Ever notice Jesus' preaching does not have the point-by-point, fill-in-the-blanks directness so popular today? Jesus was often intentionally paradoxical. His open-ended sermons sent listeners away scratching their heads with dangling loose ends for them to tie together. How long would most modern preachers last if our key leaders regularly asked, as Jesus' disciples did, tell us, what were you trying to say this morning? Jesus' use of paradox shakes us by the shoulders to see familiar things from a fresh perspective. This type of paradox, like a good picture frame, doesn't call attention to itself, but focuses attention on the magnificence of the painting. When Jesus says those who save their lives will lose them, and those who lose their lives for my sake will save them, our attention is quickly drawn away from the paradox per se because it reframes all that we have ever thought about hedging our bets, playing it safe, being conservative. In short, saving our lives. We look through this new window where losing becomes saving. What saving behaviors might be hindering my spiritual growth? What do I lose for Jesus' sake? And it's interesting, if you uh, look at the Sermon on the Mount, most of the things that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount are paradoxes. So, uh, let's look at a few examples uh, of paradoxes in Scripture. First one, to be exalted, you must be humbled. So I want to take the time to read uh, the Scriptures that are up here. Uh, James 4. James 4.10 says, Be humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. Romans. Nope. Not Romans, First Peter, wrong page. First Peter five. First Peter five, 
verse 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. And then Philippians. Philippians, we see Christ uh, playing this out. Philippians 2. Starting uh, verse 6. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To be exalted, you must be humble. So another one is, uh, to be strong, you must be weak. I only went to one verse on this. There were some others that tied into it. Um, but 2 Corinthians 12 is uh, Paul. Starting in uh, verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness and insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. To be strong, you must be weak. Another one, to be free, you must be a slave. And this one actually will tie into uh, the next one after it. But uh, if you turn to Romans 6, we'll be in Romans uh, quite a bit this morning. Romans 6, uh, starting in uh, 17. But thanks be to God... That though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, Resulting in further lawlessness, so that now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. 
um, verse 22 as well. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. To be free, you must be a slave. To gain, you must lose. Mark 10. Mark 10, 29 through 31. Um, 28. Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake, for the gospel's sake, but that will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Matthew 10. Starting in verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found... He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. And we actually, um, it's not on the, uh, the PowerPoint, but in the John class morning, if you were in the John class, we actually read one um, that pertains to this in John 12, uh, verse 25. Uh, He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. Suffering is a blessing. I think this is one that is uh, probably one of the most difficult for me to wrap my mind around. James 1, 2-4 Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So there's uh, one more paradox that I want to kind of take a deep dive in, but I wanted to list some others um, 
that we're not necessarily going to spend a lot of time on, but just want to bring them up uh, for your consideration. I'm sure there are probably many more that you'll be thinking of, um, and hopefully you'll kind of see them as you're growing through your daily life uh, as we're going through Scripture readings. We see unseen things. We find rest under a yoke. We become wise by becoming fools for Christ's sake. To receive, you must give. Okay, so the last paradox that I kind of want to look at this morning is the idea, uh, to live, you must die. So John 3 kind of speaks to this a little bit. John 3, 3, Nicodemus has come to Jesus and is talking to him. And I'm in Luke. John 3, 3. Jesus says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, Back to Romans chapter 6. Going to kind of camp out in Romans. Romans 1 through 6, verses 1 through 7. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Matthew 26. Or 16, not 26. Matthew 16. 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Truly I say to you, there are some 
of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. So kind of want to dive in a little bit deeper about this idea of to live, you must die. So when you go to the doctor, um, you're usually given uh, three pieces of information. There's a diagnosis, prognosis, and a cure. So diagnosis is what is wrong. The prognosis is what will happen if not treated. And the cure is the actions needed to fix what is wrong. And there is spiritual correlation to that as well. The diagnosis to us spiritually is that we have all sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Prognosis is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then the cure is Jesus' death, which we kind of read that right there in uh, 6.23 for the... uh, Wages of death is sin, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I also wanted to look at Galatians 3 as well. Galatians 3, 23 through 29. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. So, I I hope that these ideas are helpful to you. And you might be asking, why are there so many paradoxes in Scripture? Why did Jesus teach this way? And for me, I think it is so that we will test the ideas and the teachings. And as we test the ideas and teachings and we see them to be true, it will give us confidence in God and in His teachings. I also believe that uh, it is what makes the Scriptures living. Because there's usually not just one answer to the paradoxes. They usually have multiple meanings depending on where you are in your current walk. 
So as you go through life, I hope as you go through Scripture that you are seeing these paradoxes, that you are questioning them, and that you are chewing on them. And uh, hopefully it is enriching your life and it's not a deterrence uh, to see something that doesn't make sense. If there's anything that we can do this morning to help you um, make your life right with Christ, with God, please feel free to come forward. One of the elders will be to the front to help you.